Coming up, she inspires millions of young people with truth and provides them with a roadmap to lead better lives. But Amala Epinobi's success as a podcaster didn't come easy. After being raised in a far left-leaning household, she did her own homework, leading to an ideological transformation. Welcome to Liz Collin Reports. I'm thrilled to welcome Amala Epinobi to the program. You have a lot of fans in Minnesota, Amala, people who love your bravery. I know that I am personally one of them, but thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. And it's great to be here. I know your show is called Unapologetic with Amala. You're part of the PragerU brand. And we're going to talk about your visit to, to Minnesota in a moment. But your story certainly shows that hearts and minds uh, can be changed, uh, Amala, because Yours was, but uh, yeah, tell us a bit about your past. Yeah, so I was raised by a single mother of three who happens to be a radical leftist and still is to this day. I, I still I still love you though, mom. And I was raised with that sort of ideological bend when on my days off of school would be going in to work with my mother and helped her with her organizing and volunteered. And when I graduated high school, I thought there was no better place thing to be than an activist in the time. I wanted to be a young person who fought against my oppression and the oppression that I was facing as a black woman in America or a biracial woman, I should say. And I dedicated my life for uh, the better part of a year to doing that before I realized that there was a lot of hypocrisy within me and within the people that I was working with and that left-leaning ideology wasn't quite for me and went on a journey ended up finding conservatism and conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Tom Sowell, Larry Elder, and had this sort of wake up moment that I felt the need to share with the world. And now here I am. So it wasn't really just one light bulb moment for you, Amala, just sort of a a series of things that you started to, to see things differently. Yeah. So it was many gradual moments that that ended up occurring in my life where I was forced to confront my ideology and what I was thinking. And I ran away from it as much as I possibly could and tried to steer clear of challenging myself and challenging my beliefs. But at the end of the day, the straw that really broke the camel's back was the amount of racism I was witnessing and racism specifically towards white people. And I sort of had to reconcile this idea that we are claiming to be tolerant and anti-racist, but spouting all of this rhetoric. And that ended up being what really drove me uh, off the edge there. What is your relationship with your family like now? I know you, you mentioned your mom quite a bit in, in your shows and such, but I think many of us can can relate to that with, with differing opinions uh, in our families. But there does seem to be such a line in the sand now, and it seems sometimes seems difficult to, to get past that. And it, it's ruined a lot of relationships, quite frankly. Yeah, it's very true. And you know what? I understand it when you're a parent and you're trying to raise your child up with values that you believe to be the best values for them and for the world. It can be disheartening to hear that they are going on to another camp or starting to challenge some of the things that you believe. But for me and my mother, it ended up being a contentious period of a few months where we went back and forth on all the different ideological debates that you could possibly have on any given issue. And we dealt with the disappointment of not finding congruence on any of them. But eventually we just decided that our mother-daughter relationship is far more important than anything else or any other argument that we could possibly have. And we set aside politics and now we're, we're better off than we ever were before. Oh, that's great to hear. We are uh, doing this interview, uh, as I mentioned, as you're traveling here very soon uh, to Minneapolis. I said, luckily, it's not snowing anymore. But uh, 
you know, I know, I know, you know, but this is really the, the home to the defund the police movement where George Floyd be, became a martyr in, in many cases. And now you have record crime, hundreds of carjackings, record homicides, uh, a downtown that that has turned into a ghost town. But what is the message that you, you are bringing uh, to Minnesota? It's really to talk to a younger audience. I'm Gen Z myself. Uh, the two instances that I've been in Minnesota were to speak at Winona State University. And I'll tell you, the university staff and faculty and students were unhappy about that visit. Uh, of course, there was a conservative audience there waiting for me, but it seems as though uh, young people are being ravaged by these ideas of, of leftism and are deeply entrenched in these very woke quite frankly, not great ideas. So I'm there to really talk about the state of Gen Z uh, on, on behalf of, of PragerU and Dennis Prager will be there as well and sort of offer up what I feel could be a good prescription to having these conversations with younger people and maybe leading them to a different perspective. And that's what I was going to ask. What is your advice to young people? Because it does seem a bit that there is this go along to get along, especially among a younger population, kind of people who are afraid uh, to speak out and the consequences uh, of doing so. You know, it's it's sort of a tough love answer that there will often be consequences to coming out and standing up for your beliefs. That, but you will find that when you do, there are so many people who are just waiting for the first person to step up and come out of the woodwork and they will come out of the woodwork themselves and they will do so to support you. So if you're scared of what's going to happen to you initially when you speak out, you should be far more scared of what happens if you never do, because we run the risk of just losing what makes this country great and losing the pluralistic society that we once had. I heard an interview with you, but uh, you said something interesting that at Prager, you you don't have talking points. There's not a, a message you have to stick to. It's not written in your contract or or anything. You can disagree uh, and, you know, how that is uh, in, encouraged. But on the other side of things, on the left, there is a lot of this. You think differently, you know, you're out of here. Yes. And it was actually something that led me to have a healthy amount of skepticism towards my beliefs. And I'm not sure that the that people on the left who believe these ideas are quite aware of that sort of influence that it will have on young people eventually. On the left, you sort of have this list of ideas that you are meant to subscribe yourself to. And even though you may believe in 99% of them, that 1% where you don't will get you exiled from the entire camp. So I think a lot of young people are going to find I can't get on the entire bandwagon here and they're going to be pushed away, be it from uh, by cancel culture or ostracization from their communities. And you'll find that in the conservative camp of things, typically there is plenty of room for disagreement. And we actually do want to debate these ideas, go back and forth and see if we can come to a better conclusion in doing so. So they will hopefully find a safe haven over here. I think so many people uh, listen to your message and it's very inspiring uh, you know, you're slightly younger than I am, but it does uh, it does give us hope hope for the future. I don't know. Uh, can you say political aspirations in your future? Heck, you're a great uh, guitar player, a great singer. I mean, you are you are so talented. But what is, what is ahead for you? You know, I I really don't plan too far ahead. I'm just sort of taking every day as it comes, and I will continue to talk about these issues so long as they exist. I don't know that it will lead to any sort of political career. I'm not sure I'm I'm ready for that. <laughs> 
Well, here's the deal. I know you I know you have thick skin and you and you're tough. So that and that is a, a whole nother another arena. But for, for those who don't know, where where's the best place to 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 follow you? I know YouTube, all the things, all the things where the kids are. That's where you are. <laughs> sure. Yeah. You can find me on any social media by typing in my name, Amala Epinobi. I know it's a quite a bit of a mouthful, but you can find me there also searching for unapologetic. And if you're in Minnesota, I will be at the uh, Hilton Minneapolis for the center of the American experiment. Well, Amala Epinobi, thank you so much for all you do and really appreciate you uh, being my guest on the podcast. Thank you so much, Liz. That'll do it for this episode of Liz Collin Reports. We will see you next time. Mm-hmm.